Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. What's up, ladies and germs? Welcome back to Geeky Magic. And following in our series, we are covering Menstrual Masterclass. Today, we are covering week two. If you missed last week's Geeky Magic, we covered all things Bleed Week. So we talked all about nutritional considerations, movement considerations, lifestyle, mental well-being, emotional well-being as well. So you want to go back and catch up there if you haven't already. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause. And mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. And we are talking today, as I mentioned, about week two. So when we think about the hormonal changes that are happening this week, towards the end of week one, obviously the period or the bleed stops and beginning of week two and all through week two, we have follicular stimulating hormone and FSH for short. And this is the hormone that is stimulating, as you might infer from the name, all of these follicles to develop. And so as all there, and there will only be one, there will be one chosen follicle, but in the beginning, many of these follicles are being stimulated to grow and develop. And they themselves start secreting estradiol, which is a type of estrogen. Of course, there are three estrogens, estradiol being the main estrogen in a woman in her reproductive years. And FSH also stimulates something called aromatase. So this is the the enzyme that is responsible for converting testosterone into estrogen. Now, testosterone is produced in the theca cells of the oocyte and estrogen is produced in the granulosa cells. And that may just be a little bit too much information uh, or technicality, but just know that FSH is developing many follicles, and there will also be this increase in aromatization from testosterone to estrogen in the oocyte. So you are going to see, of course, a large spike, as we do if you look at a menstrual cycle graph, of a pronounced rise in estrogen. And in the entire cycle, this should be the highest rise that you get. And if you are not, if you don't have this apical rise in estrogen, it is going to affect several other key moments, key events in your menstrual cycle, such as 
luteinizing hormones ability to surge. That's um, part of the reason why luteinizing hormone surges is because of the sustained and apical peak in estradiol. And then later in the luteal phase, the ability for implantation to take place. So under the estradiol surge, we start to see things like progesterone receptors being pushed towards the surface of the endometrial lining. So if that doesn't happen and you don't have the thickness of the endometrial lining, happening. And that also happens in the, starts already happening in the follicular phase of your cycle. The thickness of the endometrial lining is not going to be like thick and fluffy um, and, you know, a five-star hotel, if you will, for that fertilized egg um, to uh, house, to implant into. Okay. So estrogen is rising and typically, um, you know, towards the end of your bleed week, you might see something, you know, if you're measuring it, you might see something like 60 picograms per milliliter, uh, in week one, and it may rise, you know, optimally it might rise to 200 or 300 picograms per milliliter in week two. I've seen labs where that rise has gone as high as 600. So an incredibly, uh, astronomical rise in estradiol. So we have estrogen, okay? The other hormone to make note of here is testosterone. Yes, women have testosterone. And yes, it is the most abundant sex hormone that we have. And I know, I know, I know, we ascribe estrogen as the phenotypically female hormone. And of course it is. It's responsible for our secondary sex characteristics like breast development, you know, hips that don't lie. That's that's my Shakira reference for, for today, y'all. <laughs> so it's, it, it's involved in hip development and the curviness that we see. And of course, fat deposition, right? So women tend to under estradiol or under estrogen's influence will deposit more fat in the lower half of the body, giving rise to that maybe more pear-shaped uh, affinity than you know other other morphologies like an apple apple shape, if you will. And estrogen also does things like stunt facial bone growth. It plumps up our cheeks. It plumps up our lips. It is the unconscious signal that we are fertile. It's literally natural Botox and filler. Um, But we do have more testosterone than we do estrogen. And testosterone is responsible for many, many functions in the body. Quelling anxiety, you know, hair thickness and volume, body composition and recomposition, muscle mass. And of course, when we talk about muscle mass and muscle integrity, we're also talking about the vagina, the wall of the vagina, which is muscle. So we're talking about the integrity of the vaginal wall, even the contractions that happen during an orgasm, right? Where the muscles of the vagina and the perennial muscles are contracting somewhere between 12 to 15 times a second. I know it's crazy, right? So testosterone is involved in the uh, the, uh, preservance of the vaginal wall and of course, orgasms. So as you might infer, your libido rises this week. You might find yourself chasing your husband around the kitchen (laughs) kitchen island as I do. Um, You might find that your orgasms are more powerful or more profound this week. And this is all like, thank you, testosterone. You know, I've talked, you know, I've talked about this extensively in my book, The Betty Body, but one of the more powerful strategies for longevity for women is this concept of, well, not concept. It's also an exercise in, you know, boatloads of sex and orgasms. 
So that is really the main hormonal changes that we see in week two. And I want to explore based on the hormonal composition that you're going to experience this week, some of the verticals that we've been discussing as it relates to movement considerations, nutritional considerations, mindset, and emotional well-being. So the first is movement. This week is, in my opinion, Uh, and I would say that the science would back this up, a critical week to be thinking about how to maximize muscle gains. With higher testosterone, you know, the highest that you'll see in this week than in any other week in your menstrual cycle, it's always going to be my strong recommendation. This is whether you are perimenopausal or you have a, you know, and if your cycles are erratic or regular predictable, you want to be pushing yourself towards heavier weights. What is heavy weights? I define that as somewhere between five and eight repetitions. So that weight is going to obviously flux from person to person. It's going to be different from person to person, but you want to be trying to get somewhere uh, you know, five to eight reps, you may need to, you know, may need a spotter for depending on the exercise that you're doing. And you want to be making sure that you're hitting your big muscles, like your glutes, right? One of the most powerful muscle groups in the body, your legs, your back. You know, ideally you hit all of the muscle groups, you're getting your chest, you're getting shoulders, you're getting all of that, but you really want to be make sure, making sure that you're targeting some of these bigger muscle groups as well. And as a side note, when we're thinking about muscle growth in general, uh, this is through the cycle, but particularly because we're talking about this peak in testosterone this week, We want to be thinking about a minimum of 10 sets of any given exercise per week for muscle hypertrophy. So let's say you're doing, you know, four sets of a targeted any one muscle group. You want to be making sure that you're getting back to that at least, at least once preferably twice. So you're getting in 12 sets that week, that week, if you're doing that exercise, you know, over the course of three, you know, over the course of three workout sessions. And this is really important for optimizing testosterone. First, obviously lifting heavy, not to, not to fatigue, but relatively close to it at that five to eight rep count, it's going to spike your testosterone in the vicinity of 24 hours after your lift. So if you think about this, if you are in your 40s or your 50s and you want to be prioritizing muscle growth, which is my very strong opinion that you should be because we know that muscles and bones, they're sisters. They, as one moves up, the other moves up. So we have more muscle mass. We will increase and improve our bone density. And of course, the reverse is also true as well. But you can begin to see that if you have a natural spike of a, you know, after a lift of about 24 hours, you can see now that lifting four or five times a week is directionally going to be incredibly helpful in naturally increasing your own levels of testosterone. You know, not to mention that as your muscles grow, you will also naturally have more testosterone around anyway. So really, really strong bias um, towards resistance training. Another factor to consider when we're talking about movement is the type of cardiovascular, the type of cardio that you're engaging in. Now, I think women in general have been fed this lie that cardio is super important for weight loss. And it is important 
in so much that it is only relevant after you get your nutrition, right? Which we'll talk about in a moment, your movement patterns, right? So generally when I'm talking about movement patterns, I'm referring to like non-specific movement through the day. So general uh, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, of course, resistance training, after, and then not only is it important after that, but it's only it has to also come after appropriate rest and recovery. So this is going to be embodied into any great fitness plan, right? There's going to be time off of muscle groups as you're rotating through your training schedule, obviously prioritizing sleep and also resting on your rest days. Um, and then, and only then, right after we have the nutrition and the movement and the prioritizing rest and recovery, then do we want to consider cardio? And even then as a woman in her menstrual cycle, we want to be conscious of cardio, particular the type of cardio in this week. So I was telling you earlier about estrogen's peak and it has several different effects. You know, we talked about the, the effect that it has on sort of the natural filler, right? Plumping up your cheeks and plumping up your lips and stopping, you know, bony growth, um, in the face, but it also has effects on our structural components. So namely the, the tendons, the ligaments, the joints, the spine, etc. So when we talk about the tendinous influence under estrogen, what we see is that tendons get stiffer. So this is really an easy one because I'm already, I've just told you that lifting heavy is a really great thing to do this week. And a stiff tendon, again, you want the Goldilocks of tendons. You don't want it to be too stiff, but you, you know, it's going to, with a stiffer tendon, you are going to be able to accommodate a heavier weight load, a heavier uh, moment arm, a heavier weight in your resistance training, because the tendon is going to be able to exert a stronger force on the bone. Okay. So tendons under the influence of estrogen get stiffer. Ligaments, however, uh, under the influence of estrogen get looser, something that we refer to as ligamentous laxity. So Ligaments are structural components. We find them up and down the spine. We find them around every single joint. And so when your ligaments are loose, they essentially help to stabilize the joint. They help to hold the joint together. So when you engage in, for example, high intensity interval training, burst explosive movement patterns, sprinting, sprinting on the, on the bike. So increasing your cadence, um, you know, burpees, things like things of this nature, where you are going from a slow motion or no motion to a very high, very high amplitude pulse. Uh, this can be really deleterious for your ligaments. And actually we see this in the literature where we, when we look at athletes, when they, t female athletes, when they tend to injure themselves, in a, in a ligamentous capacity, it tends to be this week. So all that to say, back off of the HIIT training in week two. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. 
Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice. And it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want. And if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. Lots of steady state cardio is great this week. You can engage in zone two training, which I've talked about a lot of. You can like play with zone three as well. Uh, lots of mitochondrial biogenesis is going to be really helpful to uh, promoting energy, but steady state cardio. And if you want to go back for, you know, a deep geeky magic carpet ride, you can go back to my geeky magic called chronic cardio. And I talked to you about how you can estimate your zone two training uh, without going to an exercise lab. Okay. So we've covered movement. We've covered resistance training, cardiovascular type training. Let's move to nutrition. If you are following the Estima diet, so if you are not, I'll drop a link for you to find out more about uh, my program. And in you, you're in the phase of the program where you are cycling. So you are not only doing a therapeutic intervention of ketosis, but you are now cycling your ketogenic protocol. This is the week where I will recommend dropping the fat, upping the protein and upping the carbohydrates. And this pairs really nicely with your heavier lift sessions because your body is naturally going to be craving more protein anyway to help with the reparation efforts in the muscle tissue. And so here, you know, we must pause and because we've come to a crossroads, many women, when I tell them I want them to double their carbohydrates, like they pale, (laughs) you know, they're like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight. I don't feel comfortable eating carbohydrates. And you know, I am, I'm effectively doubling your carbohydrates because I'm looking for a more potent insulin response. We actually want more insulin hanging around this week as we are pairing our lit, our heavier lifts, um, and, and higher protein. And of course, assume this is assuming that you're resistance training, right? Um, you want to give your muscles glucose so that they can grow, right? Striated muscle have something called a GLUT4 transporter. And without going into all the mechanics, I'll say that this is an insulin dependent transporter, meaning that it requires glucose um, or pardon me, it requires insulin to help shuttle nutrients into the myocyte. So we want to help our muscles grow. We want to help to get glucose into the muscle. And of course, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, but whenever we um, get muscle, uh, whenever we move things like glucose into the muscle, it can't get out because we add a phosphate group um, to it. So I just want to say that ladies, my Bettys, with all the love in my heart, insulin is not your enemy. Okay. When you are strategic about it, you know, you're pairing it with protein. Maybe it's following a workout. So you're getting that, you know, um, you're getting those amino acids and those glucose every day, you know, even through the day in your meals, you are going to be activating growth pass growth pathways to help signal growth. And, you know, I think I'm going to have to do a, uh, 
a geeky magic just on insulin, because we really do want to highlight that it is essential for many functions in the body. Your thyroid gland, for example, for helping the conversion of T4 to T3, your inactive to your active uh, thyroid hormone, among many other things. So don't be afraid of the carbs, especially if you're lifting heavy. You Glucose is one of the best substrates that you can give your muscles for growth. Okay. I also want to mention fasting. Y'all know, big fan of fasting for women, uh, with of course the same caveat that you need to be smart about it. Right. Um, and keeping in mind where we are in our cycle this week, this is pre ovulation, right. Or pre ovulatory week, right. Right before the follicle is releasing the egg. So fasting too aggressively this week. And when I say aggressive, I would classify this as one or several fasts that are longer than 24 hours and of the water variety type. Okay. So if you are just consuming herbal tea and black coffee and water, I would, I would consider that a non-caloric liquid fast. It is one of the more aggressive types of fasts. Um, and that can influence ovulation. Remember fasting is a hormetic stressor, right? And pushing the pedal to the metal with fasting preceding ovulation will affect it. So just as an, with an abundance of caution, I would still be engaging in a time restricted feeding protocol or, you know, often, you know, referred to IF or intermittent fasting of whatever window feels comfortable for you. So personally, I can share that I tend to fast for about 12 hours this week. No more, you know, maybe it's 14 hours, but I am generally hungrier because I am pushing my physiological, you know, the limits of my matter because I'm lifting five reps, you know, maybe eight reps. And as I like to say, I need to feed my legs, you know, need to feed the glutes. Um, so after the workouts that I put myself through, I am not really able to fast for 16 hours or 24 hours. It just feels wrong, like innately wrong in my body. Now, this, of course, may vary for you. A 16-8 might feel very doable and very comfortable for your lifestyle and your work and your comfort level. And of course, there's always going to be some experimentation and play that needs to happen on your part in order to find your groove. So... We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about um, in the context of food and macro composition, macronutrient composition of the diet. So I like a higher protein, higher carbohydrate, lower fat um, breakdown. Usually I will do it in the 40, 40, 20. So it might be 40% um, fat, 40% protein, 20% carbohydrate. Some, some months I will also say that I actually flip that around. So it's 40, 40 carbs and protein and then 20% fat. I also really like that as well. Lastly, I want to touch on emotional and mental well-being. Now, because we have these beautiful anabolic trophic hormones reaching their peak this week, you will likely find that your sleep is more restful, your mood might be a little bit more sparkly, <laughs> and you like people again. <laughs> you know, I always joke. Uh, I'm I'm a bit of an omnivert. You know, I skew a bit more introverted. I tend to be a little shy and quiet when I first meet people. 
until this week. And then I become a switch hitter. Then I love people. I want to be around people. I want to chat. I want to socialize. You know, in other words, you know, I can adult again and I can people, you know, I can people like a pro. So I would, I would offer to you, if you are watching your moods, you know, make a few social dates, you know, with your girlfriends, plan a night out, you know, not a movie night at movie nights, you know, there's almost no talking or no interaction in a movie. And I'm, I'm not a cinephile. So, um, you know, unless there's a scheduled dinner or some sort of connection activity before or afterwards, movie nights are just not for me, but you know, no judgment. If you love movies, you know, that's fine, but just get out, you know, have people over to your home, accept, accept the invitation, right? Network with people. You will feel your, you will feel your best, right? Science tells us that you are going to look your best, right? If we're qualifying estrogen's influence on our facial features as looking our best. Um, and you will encompass what I like to call big ovary energy. And you may have heard of, you know, I won't say the word, but big D energy, right? For in men, this is the female equivalent, right? Your follicle is big, it's juicy, it's ripe as a peach, it's about to burst out its egg, and you are going to feel like a queen, as you should forget about brass balls, you know, bitches, we have big, juicy ovary energy this week. And the, you know, the only caution I will say, and this is true for me every single time I'm in this pre-ovulatory week is to treat this extra energy as sacred, right? Choose to spend it on where it matters the most for you in your life. So if you recall from last week, we were talking about the bleed week, you know, bleeding on your problems, right? And I said, you know, men like to think about problems. We should bleed on our problems to figure out a solution. This is the week to drive towards that solution. So your energy, your juice, you know, these big ovary energy juice is sacred. So spend the energy wisely and in a way that is best aligned with your highest values, whatever, whatever that may be. You know, maybe you need to go out and socialize and get out, right? Maybe you need to get dolled up and go out on a date. Like good. Like I love putting on makeup. I love getting dressed up. It's so fun. You know, maybe you need to go to a business conference and, and network, you know, or maybe you need to spend the energy in reparation mode with maybe your partner or your children are spending quality time with people that matter. You know, I don't know exactly what the answer is for you personally, but I know that you have the wherewithal to figure it out for yourself. I know, you know, and so I'll, I'll just say that as a note of caution, because I can find that this week I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much energy. I'm going to rearrange the furniture. I'm going to get into CAD and I'm, you know, I make a CAD drawing of my ideal beach home. And I just, I'm all over the place. So really just honing in on what your intention is for this cycle in your life. If you do any moon rituals, I think we'll do a geeky magic on moon rituals. Actually, that's something that's really important to me. Um, you know, new moon intentions, full moon intentions being connected to the earth. Um, so again, I don't know what the answer is for you personally. I trust Betty that you are smart enough and capable enough and empowered enough. If you're listening to this podcast on a regular basis for you to know what's right for you this week and how to protect and spend that sacred energy, because your energy is also a currency that we pay in. All right. Last but not least, um, we want to talk about supplementation. And if you are 
um, a fan of the show. If you've known my work for a while, you know, I spent time telling you where cardio lands in my area of preference. Supplementation is behind cardio. So if we think about a triangle, I'm actually going to do a post on this on Instagram to give you a visual, but the base layer is nutrition and hormone optimization. Second level is resistance training. Third level is rest and recovery. Fourth is cardio. Fifth is supplements. But we'll talk about supplementation because it is important. Again, I don't take a ton of supplements in general. I do have a few foundational ones that I'm making sure that I take in my follicular phase. The first is omega-3s. So I tend to prefer omegas that have a higher DHA content, um, but you know, that's kind of me getting into the weeds of like what the different effects of DHA and EPA. Any omega-3 that you have in your closet, you know, in your supplement cupboard is fine. I tend to recommend anywhere from two to three grams of that daily. Magnesium, again, very common deficiency in women, particularly because we bleed every month. So 400 milligrams here would be the base minimum. Uh, And of course, I'm giving you these values, assuming that you are working with a healthcare provider who can tweak these for you. You know, I am giving you recommendations that I often myself use and what has been studied in the literature. So 400 milligrams here in the follicular phase. Vitamin D uh, is another one that I love, again, dependent on where you live, but a minimum of 2000 international units of vitamin D a day. And then if you are punching out some of these heavier lifts, I am a big fan of electrolyte replenishment. So I have absolutely fallen in love with Element. Um, This is a company that I do have a relationship with. It is every packet has about a thousand milligrams of sodium and I have a discount code um, in uh, that. I'll make it a clickable link in the show notes or the podcast app, wherever you're listening to. So you can just click on it and check it out. And then the last one that I make sure I take is my athletic greens. So this is basically my insurance policy that I'm getting at least a pound of greens per day. Um, And I do, again, have a relationship with athletic greens. So these are two sponsors of the podcast and they actually help make the podcast um, possible. So I'll give you those clickable links, um, knowing that I, if you purchase anything, I will get uh, a small kickback from them. Um, so I'll give you the, um, the, the code for the athletic greens. It's just going to be a, a, a clickable link. Like I said, in the show ca- in the, sh- in the show notes and, This has your prebiotics, it has your probiotics, it has all the greens that you might need. So if you're traveling and you don't necessarily are not able to cook at home, it really has you covered. And with the current offer that I have, you have a, with the purchase of um, your Athletic Greens purchase, you are going to have a year supply of vitamin D as well as travel packs, which are super, super convenient. So those are, those are my supplements. So we have omega-3s, magnesium, vitamin D, element I take every day, especially during these heavy lift weeks, helps with recovery as well, and my athletic greens. And that's week two, right? So lots of different considerations, very different from week one. Next week on Geeky Magic, we are going to move into the luteal phase. So we are going to discuss some of the parameters around week three. There's some special things that happen in week three. And then of course, the week after we're going to talk about week four. I hope that you have enjoyed this and please feel free to leave a review, subscribe to the pod, tell your friends about it. Let's accrue our Betty army and make us harder to kill. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. 